is Isabella Johnston, and I'm called the Interim Whisperer. My company, Employers for Change, we really like to focus on gratitude. Gratitude towards the people inside of the company and to our customers. We're going to be talking about how gratitude is connected to positive positive psychology and how that can change your company culture. So today's tip is this whole concept of positive psychology. It's looking at positive emotions, well-being, and factors that contribute to a meaningful life. It has become very, very popular in recent years, especially due to things that we experienced with COVID. The concept has been applied to almost every aspect of life you might think of in your personal life, but it is also super helpful in the workplace. It can reduce stress. It can improve interpersonal relationships and even reshape your workplace dynamics. So there's a lot of ways that you can utilize this strategy with activities to help engage your people at work. So here are four gratitude activities that you can use whether working remotely or at the office. First thing you can do is share with your employees. It's a daily stand-up call. I want you to go and create a gratitude list. You can think of it like maybe it's a journal if they want to do that, but they just need to get a list. And it could be as simple as what are three things that really happened today that was just really, really great. And you want them to share that. You want to share these things at the end of the day. You can also do mindful meditation taking some quiet time. You want to allow your employees to be able to have some time just to focus on what they are grateful for. And it's a good mental and physical, it really helps with mental and physical health. So when you ask them to create a list, you can tell them that in the morning and then tell them, hey, you know, before we get on the call, think about this, get into this practice of really thinking about what you have that you can be grateful for not everything is always you know bad and this activity helps shift the mindset so that they will recognize things that other people have done to help them other things they have done to help your customers and just maybe other things that they just had not even thought about so the third activity is you want to show regular appreciation By expressing gratitude by writing thank you notes or expressions of thankfulness to others, if it's an in-the-office setting, you could have a gratitude board where people could go and share notes. If it's not in the office, you could have a whole Slack channel that's dedicated to, or whatever channel, you know, whatever device you might use for communication, where people are just saying, okay, it's Gratitude Tuesday. What what are you grateful for? And it could be people that you work with. So that fourth activity is, like I mentioned, a gratitude board. You can hang one in your house if you work remotely in the office and just have little little things up there. It could be a picture. It could be some art. It could be a note. Anything that just shows that you are happy and grateful for something in your life, for a person in your life. It can also be for somebody that is in your company. It can be customers. It can be so much that you just never even realized. So spread that concept of gratitude, developing that in the company so that people will really, really engage with one another and stay in a place of mindfulness and positive health. Thank you for listening. 
And we look forward to you being a follower of the Intern Whisperer Show. Hi, welcome to the Intern Whisperer. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. And I want to be able to introduce my guest. I've known her for a little while. Her name is Anna Nadana. Hopefully I did it right. Yeah. Yeah, you mean. <laughs> um, to the show. She is the head of growth with SAS Group. She is the host of a, of a show, a podcast called SAS Unbound. She curates a bootstrap track, a bootstrap track for a German developer conference called Code Talks. That sounds so interesting to me too. Kind of sounds like a TED Talk, but yeah, different. Yeah, but better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I find really interesting about Anna is that she is a mom. She works remotely and her biggest fans are her husband and son when she is interviewing guests on her own podcast. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much, Isabella. It's it's great to be here. Yeah, we've known each other for for a bit and tried to schedule this for a bit, but <laughs> yeah, finally, finally yeah, it's happening. Yay, yay, and thank you. I know you're in another part of the world, and you'll be able to share that with our guests too. Um, fun fact is that the second most popular country that downloads this episode is the Ukraine. So not really okay. sure why, um, but people in the Ukraine, it's about closing in on a, a, a hefty quarter of the downloads that come from the U.S. Wow. So I only, I only have one person that works on my game team that's from the Ukraine, and I know it's not her, but <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody uh, that we have a big following over there. Anyway, um, so I always kick off the show to tell us about yourself using only five words and why those five words. Okay, so I, I've thought about it long and hard. And uh, first word is probably stubborn. I'm super stubborn. And that, I mean, you have to be kind of, because uh, first of all, I work in a very much male-dominated industry. And you have to get out there and like just, you know, tell people what you want and sometimes chase them and sometimes make sure, you know, the... um they remember about you they remember about what you want and uh uh what is behind those wants that that you're pursuing uh and also because i've been um traveling for the past 12 years um i'm originally from russia um actually russian ukrainian which is a bit of a pickle uh this uh, past several years um, and I've been traveling for 12 years. I've lived in nine countries and every country you visit, um, I've had this conversation just today, how, you know, a lot of people are talking about nomading and how it's, you know, rainbows and unicorns. You just slap a visa into your passport and you go to a different country and you live there. Uh, and you know, you work on the beach and you go surfing, blah, 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 but it's so much work. So just like imagine how much you would be surfing if there was a surfing spot at your hometown. It's going to be the same, only like add on top of it, like where you're going to eat, what hospital you're going to go. If you have kids, you know, you have to figure out everything for them. So you have to be stubborn to keep moving. Um, probably brave for, for like the same reason. Uh a, a lot of things have happened over this past 12 years traveling not all were good and sometimes you have to be 
really brave to just like go through this um and yeah I started working in a kind of almost completely new industry for me two years ago so uh yeah maybe maybe for that reason too uh another is naive and uh I know a lot of people perceive this word as as a negative uh and yeah it can be absolutely but uh I like to stay naive even after all those travels and after you know so many people that have interviewed uh and it's way over 100 right now um I think if you want to learn something and if you want to keep pushing and like exploring the world and the industry you, you kind of have to be uh, a little bit naive it gives you a fresh uh, perspective right right yeah 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 but like otherwise somebody else's eyes that's true that's true otherwise you know you just keep kind of holding it all in, in in the shell and uh it doesn't it doesn't really help um another one is hard working I mean um yeah like you said I became a mother five years ago um I didn't have a maternity leave um <laughs> I after two weeks well two weeks that does it count maybe uh, after two weeks I started I went back to work full time I would have my meeting like this on zoom and I would just like put my camera up uh, so that it was only my face and I would be breastfeeding um, so that, you know, the, the baby doesn't cry during the call. So like, what do, what do you do? Um, not because I like absolutely had to, uh, but I really loved my job and I just thought, you know, I just cannot <laughs> leave it. I, I want to go back. I want to be there. Um, and uh, when my son was five months old, and it, it, like we we lived in a different country, so um, we didn't have any help. Uh, to this day, we've never had a nanny, to be honest. Um, and um, yeah, when he was five, we moved to Peru, which was like different country, different language, and I still kept working. Uh, so yeah, it's just I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's for everybody. So if you're listening, please don't compare. Um, but it worked for me. Uh, it's just who I am. Uh, and the last one is probably loving. Uh, I'm, I'm a very loving creature. Sometimes it um, it's, it's also not so good uh, because you fall in love with people and processes and uh, you know tools sometimes uh, at work. And sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and it's not very easy to overcome. But again, it's like with the with being naive, you just um on the podcast uh, uh with one guest, uh, I really loved his uh, quote. Um if you don't come from a place of love, but from a place of fear, you cannot expect an abundance from it. So um, I think that's what I do. Just try to come from a place of love to to see how it plays out in the end and uh, hope for the best. I like that. I think coming from a place of, well, even 
Well, expand on that word of love. It could be, you know, that you love, you're curious, that you love people, that you give them the benefit of the doubt. It can be so many things when you say, you know, coming from a place of love, giving grace, grace is the biggest gift anybody can ever give because, you know, we're all a mess in this, this world that we're in, aren't we? So, yeah, I think it's funny. Um, I know I'm bouncing off just a tad bit, but feel free to chime in. I think that people in their quest for trying to be, say, perfect, you know, mm-hmm. what they think is perfect, or the the ability to show that they have everything together. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions of being on social content, um, that people think that, oh, this person has a perfect life, when really, if we showed the messy, the the sad whatever every aspect of boring parts of a day then it's more realistic than to think that the carefully crafted Kardashian show is like you know it's 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 a story and it's meant to sustain the family and a lifestyle that they want to continue to live in that isn't necessarily reality yeah they work yeah 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 you have yeah you have to remember that it's a reality show so like it's still a show right um so yeah i and that's that's something that i also like very much on the podcast uh is when we when we talk about um the podcast is for the founders and about the founders of SaaS companies um and when we talk it is it is often about like the metrics and the success and like how you got there and how many customers you have and like there is this huge growth that um you uh, that you have right now but we also try to calm down a little bit and like also talk about the challenges and the mistakes and like what it took and the burnout and the mental load of the founder and i feel like people just respond to it a lot better right now uh, and even on the code talks and the conference uh, where I was cur- curating a track, um, we had a panel about founder burnout, and um, it was it was in the cinema, and it was the the largest hall, uh, and it was full. It was absolutely packed. People just wanted to know more, like what you went through and how you over this uh or not um so i think it's it's really important to just bring the reality to the show Mm -hmm. yeah because that raw side is is very um comforting i know Mm -hmm. when i talk to other founders i go god i just i just feel like why am i doing this i mean i have a choice and we can always walk away from it and it's got nothing to do with feeling like I'd be a failure. I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. But I also think that it's it's more than that. It's either fulfilling on a purpose or a calling, right? I'm sure that's what many of your your guests share is that they feel like they were called to do something. Well, it's just, you know, uh, it's something that they've worked so much on. And yeah. it's, it's it's all of it, you know. It's something that you deeply care about. It's something that you start associating yourself about uh, with, and then it's also 
a pressure from the society and from your peers. Uh, you know, you post on LinkedIn that you've had this growth and you've had so many customers and then all of a sudden you plateau or like it goes down or I don't know, you have to sell a company for some reason because there are those uh, situations too. Like for example, at SaaS Group, we buy profitable SaaS companies when everything is great and like people just want to walk away to maybe build something else or have more times with a time with their family. But sometimes you have to do it. And like the mental load of just like coming out and saying, oh, maybe I failed or like I had to sell it because it didn't work. Uh, I cannot be associated with it anymore. Like I'm no longer the guy who founded that company or the guy who like runs this company. So um, it takes a toll on you. I think it's very, it's very difficult when it's, it's everything that your life is. And then at some point you're like, oh, how do I, how do I talk about it? How people are going to respond? What if I will never get another gig or like never, um, raise a fund if I go to investors because I failed. So there are a lot of, um, a lot of pressure on, um, on founders. So we try to always navigate this, even like during our due diligence process, like, why are you selling? What's, what's going on? How are you? Like, what, how can we make it better for you? And, uh, this is basically like one of the first questions that we ask. That's thoughtful. Yeah, because it is wanting to understand the person. Um, and I like that last question is how can we make it better? Yeah, because when you make a hard decision, you know that it's impacting not just you, but the the employees, the customers, the mm -hmm. stakeholders, right? It's the ripple effect. It goes everywhere. So it's it's yeah. a big deal. And it, it is a decision that should never be made lightly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really thoughtful. So how'd you get started in your career path? You know, include your school stuff if you want, like where you went to college. Uh, sure. You did share that you were traveling. I mean, the nomad life is is not for everybody. I guess you're homeschooling. I don't know. Do you, I, I have yeah. some questions based on just what you shared earlier. Sure. Uh, so no, I wasn't homeschooled. I went, um, I left my parents' house when I was, 16 I was a huge nerd and I left to go to a boarding school and it wasn't just like any boarding school it doesn't really exist in Russia and uh that's where I uh, I finished high school uh that boarding school uh, so you, you had to like pass the exams to to get there it was um at that time one of the best schools in in the country it was um from the state university. So like all the teachers were the university teachers. And when I learned about the school, I was like, oh, I want to be there. <laughs> so like I said, huge nerd. Uh, books were my favorite friends ever. Um, so I got there and spent two wonderful years. Uh, two of my best friends are from that school. So I lived alone since uh, 16. And then somehow, like, just being in that environment, uh, it was a bit more 
liberating, I would say, than any other uh, schools that I've been to. And the teachers uh, kind of saw that I didn't want to to be in Russia anymore. Uh, I was like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I don't want to study here. Um, a lot of things are changing, maybe not for the good. And um, basically just one of my teachers told me that uh, there will be a Finnish university coming to the city with their exams and like maybe I want to apply and that's what I did and I applied and I went to study in Finland and uh, super grateful to that university because again they were so liberal and so like empowering um, and they offered us this amazing programs where you could go second year sophomore year you could go to study to one country I went to the U.S. Uh, to Arkansas, out of all places, don't ask, but it was a great experience. <laughs> and then I got my, my double degree in China. And um, both of them, again, for whatever reason, you get double degree, you have an opportunity to have two different degrees. And somehow I didn't use it. I have two diplomas in marketing. Um, and I stayed in China. I was, uh, I loved it. I absolutely love this country to this day. And this is the country where I started what we now call networking. I didn't know that, you know, I was doing that. And basically, uh, at one of the, uh, parties, um, from the university, because they would throw different kind of parties for us I don't know for whatever reason I think it was like PR so just to show other kids that uh they're fun so they they should they should go there too um and at one of these parties I met a guy I started talking with him and I was like well you know uh, my diploma is ready I will be moving out of the country because I don't have a visa anymore but I would love to stay. I would love to find a job here, but I have no idea how to do it. And he was like, you know what? Like, I might know somebody who's a head of marketing in this huge consulting company here in Beijing. And I, I may introduce you. And of course, I went for it. And uh, in one week, I got an interview and they hired me. But not in Beijing. They moved me to Guangzhou, which is the south of, of China. But I stayed there for a year working for the company and um, it was it was very interesting. Like it was just like kind of dip into <laughs> very cold water. Like what what's marketing really about? Like it's not just Excel sheets. It's not just um, writing for a local newspaper, trying yourself in PR, quote unquote. Uh, and, you know, mine, it was uh, 2012, 2013. So like none of the fancy stuff was there yet. Um, and it was, it was really different. I don't think like I fell in love with marketing because uh, it was very, I don't think they knew like where to put me. So we would do some events and we would do some, content marketing and we would like redesign the website so it was like very very hectic and I think now when I look at it it was more like startup-y than it should have been in in a company of that size 
Um, but then after a year, I left. And after a quick break, again, just through networking, through friends of friends, I got a job in Malaysia. And that was a real startup. That was the place where they allowed me to be remote and remote being like just in, living in a different neighborhood, right? Not go, coming to the office. Um, but uh, but still, like I didn't have to go to the office. That was very new. Um, and also um, they gave me an opportunity to like really just embrace whatever skills I have and the creativity the freedom that they gave me um, because it was a company that um, distributed uh, different kinds of like children and maternity stuff to like supermarkets and other different shops in Malaysia. And they were always like trying to get something more creative, some, you know, products that they were still not in the country. And they always wanted to make something and so the product that we ended up with uh was lactation cookies out of all the things in the world and I was not a mom back then I was I was uh, 22 maybe um yeah 22 I guess or 23 something like that anyway and they were like well you know you're into cooking and that was true I was into cooking uh, and you're a marketer, like, can you just like create a recipe and create a brand and create a packaging, create a, you know, a logo and everything and just, you know, go sell it. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds fun. You know, why not? <laughs> and um, yeah, they gave me like the budget and they made me a co-founder, which was also really, really cool. Um, and we ended up, um, uh, making a brand creating a brand of lactation cookies that later would sell in Malaysia and in Singapore and if I if I'm not mistaken we were on the market for like four years which wow. was you know it was it wasn't a huge success by any means but we're still on the market we were like in some of the major supermarkets um it was really cool but we started in my kitchen um and you know then we of course we outsource it and we we got all kinds of certifications and stuff and it, it got serious but at first it was just like you know bake it cool it put it in the bag slap a logo and ship it to to a mom that found you on instagram that was my first uh kind of i don't know sales from social media um so that was a lot of fun uh i absolutely loved it we're still in touch uh with my former uh managers i was in malaysia just a couple of weeks ago and we met again and um it's it's incredible like i just love to to be in touch with people that i ever worked with um i think yeah it's just the power of networking i'm a huge believer in that i will probably say that a few more times during the podcast um and then yeah like I mentioned I was into cooking very much and I decided you know what maybe marketing is not for me so I pivoted and uh, a year and a half I spent being a chef 
and I was a chef at um, one, well, I think now it's it's the best restaurant in Malaysia. Um, I think they just got recognized. And I even worked at, I'm not sure how it's interconnected, to be honest, but um, at a restaurant in the embassy, um, in American embassy in Hanoi, Vietnam, <laughs> which is like super bizarre. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I tried that and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but then I realized, you know, it's it's also, first of all, one of the hardest jobs uh, that, you know, you can only do. It's a very sexist environment. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely horrible like just the 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 amount of harassment that you have to go through if you're working in the kitchen if if you're a woman is just unbearable and um yeah it was fun until it wasn't and I went back to marketing and I was super happy to well while I was in the kitchen I was still kind of working a little bit for that Malaysian company and all of a sudden, I was hired as um, manager, marketing manager for a dev shop in Russia. Uh, also remote, um, super fun team. And, but, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was all new again. Like I missed almost two years. Two years in marketing is a lot of time. And, um, again, it was very, very much kind of like a starting point for them. They never did much marketing before that. So I had a lot of freedom. We would double down on the content. We would, you know, publish on Hacker Noon. We would do, um, some online events. And then from that, I kind of transitioned into our, um, other company that we were working on. And became, um, well, we called it marketing executive, but it didn't really mean anything, right? Because it was just the only person doing marketing. Um, and again, it was very difficult and very new to me because it was way more technical. Uh, that was a low-code platform. And that's when we met. Yep. Right? Yeah. Uh, so a low code platform, like I didn't know what low code was until I became head of marketing in a low code platform. <laughs> like seriously, no idea. I had to learn everything. It was such a steep learning curve. Um, but I'm I'm super grateful for like the entire team, the founder. They gave me so much trust to do that. Um. And that's how actually the first podcast that I hosted started. Um, It was called Mars Talks. Mars X is the name of the company. And uh, there, it was was just an experiment for me. Like, I thought, okay, what's everybody doing? Well, like, what could help us build a community? Because we wanted to go through a community of founders. Because, you know, it's low code. It makes um, development easier but doesn't put as many limitations on you. So we thought, okay, it could be very, very good for founders. Like I'm not, I'm not a developer, but I want to create my own company. 
what could help me. I can just, you know, learn a little bit and just wing it solo. And so we went after founders and I started doing this podcast and uh, again, just create a ton of content, go to any online event for founders. There was uh, just very actively network. Um, and, and it started, you know, it started picking up. It opened quite a few doors for us, got us quite a few partnerships. Um, so it was really great. And at some point, um, you know, be because it's so heavy on the IT and it's for developers and we thought, okay, maybe we have to pivot our strategy a little bit and go after developers and, you know, make their life a little bit easier. Um, and the, the deeper I was going into it, the more I kind of realized that it's whether, you know, I'm not the right person for the job or I will have to actually go and actively learn development and coding and, you know, just make sure I understand what I'm talking about. Because like, I can, yeah, sure. I can go to a founder and talk to about like all the benefits of low code and they will be super excited. I go to a developer and they will ask me like, oh, sure. But like, what is the language? What are the limitations? How do you deploy stuff? And boom, I know nothing, right? And you cannot really fool people who know how it should work and know like what kind of limitations they um, they should avoid when it's low code. So um, I kind of started to crumble there a little bit. I have a question uh, for you. Sure. Yeah, because what you're describing to me is um, identifying who the buyer persona was. And maybe it's because you didn't, I don't know, I'm making a guess that you didn't do that first because when you're going to go and try and market or sell to anybody, I have three-sided market, schools, mm -hmm. career services, students, all majors, and then I have employers, all sizes. But each one requires I have a different buyer persona because I don't know how to understand what their pain points are until I talk with them. So you can have hundreds of buyer personas, right? to be able to help and you put that in the sales playbook and the marketing playbook so that you can reach them better through the content. And I was an English major. Okay. None of this did I know <laughs> until I had my own business and started learning more about marketing. And I'm listening to you. Wow. There's, you've had such a really exciting life. And, and I didn't know all of this and I'm going, wow, you, you've been able to do so much in such a short span of years of your life of, you know, everything that's there and experience things that you went, oh, I love this. Oh, I don't like this. And, but yet, you know, it always boils down to you. I think you're getting closer and closer to what you, you want to specialize in, but I've also through, you know, years of life too, notice people will do that for about five years and then they move to the next thing uh, because they, you know, they feel like, oh, I've learned a lot. Now I want a new challenge. So you're doing it on warp speed and really figuring it out much faster, which is great because I was, when you were talking, I was going, well, before you even told me about the whole chef stuff, I went, I'm sure she has favorite food in other countries. And then you talk about you know, being a chef. And then when you were also talking about 
um, just this experience here of trying to sell to developers, I went, well, that means you have to have buyer personas. So, you know, your depth of knowledge of marketing just continues to get deeper, but also, you know, like broader, right? Uh, anyway, I threw a lot at you. So no, buyer no, personas, sure. is that what you learned? That maybe you just needed buyer personas and not have to learn how to code? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was... Uh... It was all of it. So basically, I was the only person, you know, ever talking to anybody, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because we had our amazing developers that were like coding. They were they were building this stuff, right? And then we would meet once a week, and we would, uh, they would talk about like the uh, uh, the code, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, well, like who who can we sell this to? Um, and we were super early stage, right? Before um, I joined, there was absolutely nothing. Um, so we just kind of had to figure it out on the go. And we didn't, we didn't really think about like how to call it, if it's a buyer persona or like, there was nothing to buy yet. I believe there is still nothing to buy really. Like it's free, it's open source. Uh, but like, how do you make it, um, how to get it out there, how to bring the brand awareness. So for me, it was still like, I cannot sell something that I, I, I don't know what it does. I, I don't believe in like the whole, so I think, okay, this is going to be maybe a little bit controversial. If there are any marketers listening to this. So I don't really believe in the whole, like sell the benefits stuff or like sell the value stuff i believe in it in a composition with you know show me what i'm getting but also show me how i'm getting it because every time i go now to a website uh that's usually a sauce right that's that's the industry i'm at um it's it's all the same like it's it's the benefits and the values and we're going to bring you the speed and we're going to uh i don't know give you the productivity and and this and that and it's just all the same and i i sometimes find myself so deep in the documentation or like in the demo trying to understand how are you actually doing this like what what are the buttons that i have to push um that i don't like it and i don't think that um i can just you know wing it with such a complex tool as mars x is just selling the benefits and you know developers hate marketers so you can't really talk to them about that they know how this stuff should work so i feel like when you're when you're working with developers it's just a little bit different so i feel like yeah i still had to up my game and at the time, I don't know, it was a, a coincidence uh, that I'm, I'm very grateful for. Uh, I reached out to Tobias Schlotke, who is the co-founder of South Group. I didn't know he was a co-founder of South Group because he's also co-founder of, sorry, a founder of a dev community called AlphaList. And he has a podcast for CTOs. And I was like, oh, that's a perfect person. Like I could ask him to go on our podcast and then I could ask him if he would take our um, 
CEO, CTO to go on his podcast. And he never replied. And I was like, utterly disappointed. I was like, well, that, that's just rude. <laughs> and um, then he reached out, I think, two weeks later, which now I understand like how busy he is. And that's like a normal time span for him to, um, to answer. But back then it was like, oh, interesting. And what he said was like, you know, I checked the podcast and I checked your content. It would be great to like, to have you at Sauce Group. And I was like, okay, thank you. But what the hell is Sauce Group? Uh, like I've never heard of it. And uh, yeah, and we started talking and the more he kind of talked about it, like that the, um, they buy successful SaaS companies, they grow them, you know, they, they want to become this ultimate um, independent SaaS platform. Um, the more I liked it and the, you know, the less Cody, the less nerdy it, it sounded for me, the more I kind of was like into it. So, yeah, and I didn't want to just, you know, leave my, my team hanging. So I told them, I'm going to stay with you like two and a half more months make sure you know you're all good all the podcasts went out you know i i give all the stuff to another person that you find to replace me um but you know i'm going to make sure that that you guys are okay before i leave and yeah and sauce group waited and you know marisex um gave me an opportunity to you know to finish gracefully <laughs> so uh yeah that's how that story ended and I became the head of growth at SaaS Group and that's what I do right now and it's a wild ride it's very it's the best of both worlds it's like having uh an opportunity to play with your own brand because I'm the only marketer uh basically uh, responsible for SaaS Group brand itself but it's also like having that umbrella uh, and having the knowledge and expertise from the rest of the team who have years and years on my experience. And they were one of the reasons uh, for me to join because, yeah, like, sure, it's all exciting in you, but uh, you're going to work with people and you have to know who they are. So I really wanted to to learn from from them and um yeah so that's what I do right now mm. well that sounds like definitely a roller coaster ride and I loved being on it with you because as I mentioned earlier uh you've had I'm gonna call it um a luxury of being able to do the have a lifestyle that you know, you, most people will dream of and say, oh, that sounds so exciting. But, you know, you've done that and you made it work. And I don't know when your son was born in, in that, um, that crazy roller coaster ride too, but you know, it's, it's really something. And, you know, I was going, but how did she go from where she is to SAS? And did she even know what it was? And you've answered all of those questions that I had. So, you know, it looks like this is what you love doing is things that are in tech and in STEM. And, and obviously yeah. that allows you to have this remote opportunity. Um, and you are the poster child, I think, for whatever anybody would say the best of remote work is because like you're, you're giving way more than required and even um, passing up on a maternity leave. 
you know, that's a big deal. Thank you. Yeah, it is a big deal. And I mean, looking back, I I remember it wasn't, I mean, okay, I'm very lucky. I'm super lucky. Uh, Two weeks into, you know, his life, my son started sleeping through the night. I mean, don't throw anything at me. I know it's, <laughs> it doesn't really happen. But um, I was super lucky with him. He was such a no-fuss baby uh, and still is. Um, but it was hard. It was hard in moving from country to country, from Peru, we went to Colombia. Then we went to, back to Russia. From Russia, we went to Turkey. Now we live in Vietnam. It is a roller coaster, yes, and it's not for everybody. And uh, please don't put me on a poster because it's not. There is a lot more, oh, like just there is more Sacrifice. reality to to this show yeah. <laughs> than anything else. I can tell. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, also, like being in the stem. Yeah, I love it. I love the tech. I love being in the stem. But I also like to be probably like just in the middle um i'm not really i'm not the best marketer let's just say that uh i completely understand that uh and you know i have no shame saying that there's still a lot to learn i had this gap years um that i still have to uh, you know bring back um but I'm also not a, a very technical person. So, but I kind of understand both sides. So I like to be in the middle. And that's why I think I'm pretty good in my job because I I try to tie them together and like more technical founders, when they talk to me, they find a more like a human <laughs> side of, of uh, what they're doing. Uh, and then, you know, when um, when we're talking to to founders that are not technical, then um there is something else that that i bring to the table so yeah i like to be in the middle a hmm. generalist they call them generalists now right yeah yeah until we make a change again okay so yeah. well who was your favorite podcast guest that you've had or topic or it doesn't have to be a person it can be you know what was one of your most favorite things that you did with a a guest yeah okay so uh, one of the my one of my favorite guests was Mike Perm. Uh, he's a solo founder of a thing called Sidekick, and don't ask me to explain what it is. It's something to do with Ruby framework, very technical. I was shitting my pants to be honest hmm. when when I knew he was coming to the podcast. Uh, he was introduced to me by by a co-founder, and I was like, oh man, like this is um, I don't know if I can do this. But it, I told him that I was very honest about it, and he made an effort to make it as non-technical as possible, and I made sure to ask, just you know, the questions that would still be very in depth, very, uh, you know, interesting for for other founders. Just not about Ruby, not about the frameworks, not about the, um like what 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 he's doing with the code, but um, something for our audience, right? Something for, for people who also want as solo founders to scale to $10 million in annual recurring revenue. So that was one of my favorite podcasts. 
another favorite podcast was um, with Jonathan Bell. Uh, he's the founder of License One. Teeniest, tiniest tool. Uh, I don't think they are still actively uh, on the market. Um, they've been bootstrapping, kind of building in private for two or three years already. Uh, but just the how much um, restraint they have, how much passion, how much belief uh, they have behind that product and behind that story. I just absolutely loved it. But I mean, honestly, every time you bring a guest, it's different. They all have very different perceptions of uh, you know the industry uh, and uh, how they're going to succeed or how they succeeded. Um, I love to ask about hacks. And lately the narrative is that, oh, there are no hacks. Like, what are you talking about? Like if a hack worked in the end, uh it's just because there was so much hard work before that so the hack quote unquote is do the boring stuff go out there grind you know make sure you talk to your customers make sure you you do things good and that's it mm -hmm. i'm curious how many women have you interviewed in this industry versus men oh that's a good question uh very very few and I've been actively trying to uh, look for more and I've been actively trying to reach out to more and unfortunately a lot of female founders just don't respond at all you know I don't and a lot I, I want to give yeah. them some grace because you mentioned the other guy didn't get back to you you've been in a startup you know how ridiculously hard this is so it's I don't think it's that they're not interested I just think that they're so overwhelmed because I know I am and this yeah, is yeah. the only time I have when I have a guest on my show the only time I have any in-depth conversation for one hour with a person and so they may feel that they they would love to do it but they can't do it Exactly, exactly. I mean, a lot of female founders replied and said, you know what, like, I just don't have time because there is this business and then I have kids and then I have, you know, I'm, I'm a wife, I'm, I'm a daughter, I'm, you know, I'm so many things and I just don't have the time for that maybe next year. And I reach out <laughs> next year and I'll make sure, you know, I'll reach out again. Mm -hmm. But um also it's just the fact that there are so few of them and like yeah. the target audience that we're working with is not that huge so out of that not so huge target audience to find so few female founders mm -hmm. um, who are willing to talk to you it's it's really a, a challenge so yeah um i know i know what you mean bring more and yeah I'm, I'm trying, believe me, I'm trying. Yeah, you should probably um, look at Andrew's show that I had mentioned to you earlier because he'll always have a lot of um, guests on there. Um, but, you know, female founders, I, I know you, I'm sure you know where to go. So there's female founders, there's, you know, all of the other female groups that you could potentially grab some, you know, FaceTime with, but... Mm -hmm. That's 
That's where it is. So we are actually more than halfway through the show. So um, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and we'll be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. Okay, so we're going to do lightning rounds, okay, of questions. All right. right. What are you reading right now? American Gods, believe it or not. I've been postponing reading that book for over 10 years for some reason. And um, yeah, last week I got it finally. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to read it. So I'm reading it now. What's it about? Good question. Uh, life, <laughs> weird, b- bizarre things in life. And uh, it's all intertwined with like fantasy. And I still have to figure it out. You know, I'm is it Neil Maybe Gaiman? Is that the author? Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah, okay, British. Yeah. Okay, got it. I'm grabbing that piece of information also. All right. Well, I'm going to go look for it for sure. sure. Um, so I won't hold you to it. Hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life? Hardest lesson is probably uh, that, you know, we cannot do everything and anything that we want like that's what I've been taught when I was little and when I grew up I was like well that's not true right you just have to really be stubborn and you know and go after it and if you really really want it you can actually find a way to do it um like I don't know the simplest thing my mom would always tell me if you get it too or you get a piercing, you will never get a job at a respectable company. And well, what do you know? <laughs> I have uh, many tattoos and I pierced my nose. Well, only when I was 30, uh, because, well, I felt guilty that my mom <laughs> is going to not be so happy about it. But yeah, it's just uh, get out of that shell don't listen to people, especially don't listen to people who are not living the life you want to live. And it's as easy as that. Uh, and yeah, just try. Yeah. And we always have to remember that our parents, they love us intensely, um, but they're also from a different uh, generation. And so the, the social norms are not the same as, you know, for, and, and the definitions of what a, respectable job is 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 very different now too so um with all due respect to your mom times have changed (laughs) yeah that's true so um more liberties are are provided and especially when you work remote who who honestly Mm. cares you know yeah yeah you're covered up so I don't see your tattoos so (laughs) it's all good um what are you most grateful for I'm most grateful for the support that I'm getting uh, on all fronts. I mean, uh, like you said, uh, I get a lot of support from my uh, family internally, from my son, from my husband. Um, I mean, my son, I, I once caught, <laughs> caught my son on the plane um, listening to one of my podcasts, and he's five, and I don't even know like That's how crazy. he found it on Spotify, <laughs> but he was like, mommy you're talking to this guy ryan and i'm like that's ryan singer the author of shape up 
<laughs> and he was like, yeah, I like it. Um, so yeah, I really love their support, uh, support from my family, uh, from my mom and my dad. Uh, we do have our differences. Oh my God. Just like any other, you know, family and I'm the only child and, uh, you know, for them, me being so far away, not the easiest thing. Uh, but I love the way they always say, hey, no matter what, uh, we're there for every decision you make. Um, yeah, they will probably, you know, <laughs> tell me if they're not very happy about it or like they don't support the, like the idea of it. But, um, when I'm making it happen, they're like, okay, we're there for you. Of course, the support from my friends and I mean with my lifestyle I haven't seen some of them for years and years but we still talk and yeah they're super supportive I know everything that's going on with them they know the same about me and of course from my colleagues I mean honestly uh every company I feel like they um they tend to call themselves your family right we say Salzburg family and at first it was like ah, not that again but it feels like a family and I mean we had our retreat where the family grew to like 170 people I guess mm -hmm. right but it felt absolutely great like yeah you have the freedom you have the support you have the knowledge you have the expertise you're um free to make mistakes you're free to fix them. Um, you know, yeah, it's just great. Having the support uh, and being able to be with my kind of people is great. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. What do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered for the way I made people feel. Um, and that's um, that's kind of well now it's kind of part of the job right I go to a podcast and make sure people open up they they tell me about their story they tell me about their journey uh, how they grow their company how they grow their team um, I go to events um, and you know also I try to make sure people are at ease I mean they're selling their companies to us they're babies some some people call them their babies right uh and it's not easy right and do you want to make sure people are as comfortable as possible and I'm kind of trying to bring that from my life outside of the company because again you travel you want to be very supportive and very curious about people's lives like for example in Vietnam people are incredible like the country it has its ups and downs but people are absolutely incredible so kind and you want to give back and every country kind of teaches you that um you know you have to be open for communication for connection for a deep connection and i've learned that over the past 12 years and i'm happy to to bring it to every environment where I go. So hopefully <laughs> I'm doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. You know, you're not um, 
all knowing and God and somebody that can go, oh yes, I understand everything. So you know, we work within the life knowledge that we have and then the observations that we make about what's going on around you. So yeah, yeah, you're doing great. So what do you think 2030 is going to look like? Uh, I'm going to tell you like how I hope it's not going to look like. Okay. And <laughs> I hope we're not going to uh, to lose the human connection because ChatGPT is great. Uh, what Meta is doing is great. Like virtual re reality is all fun. It's all very exciting. But uh, I kind of like the trend this year where, you know, everyone says, it's back to customer communication. It's back to building trust. It's back to real talk. Uh, it's back to, you know, establishing credibility because people were so tired of re only remote and only talking to a person on the screen uh, that they want to get back there. Uh, they want to feel the real touch. And I kind of hope that 2030 is still going to be about the real human connection about the real human touch because yeah I mean sure uh, even me I benefit from remote work immensely it has changed my life um, but the times when we get there we get to um, see the people behind the screen it's the best oh yeah yeah, you said some key words, things that I also have said. We need to get from behind this, you know, get in front of the screen, talking to people so that it's not the screen anymore. That's the barrier because, you know, you can't move around much, right? You have to yeah. stay seated. I mean, you could, if you're wearing headphones that are wireless and everything, you could walk around, but that's not still the same as being in a room with a person because it's very experiential, right? You've got to be able to see them. Sure, turn your camera on, but you can't touch them. You can't smell. Yeah. Oh, gee, what's that perfume you're wearing? Or what'd you just put on your hair or something like that, right? Yeah. You know, so there's other senses that are involved when we are in person and it will, virtual reality is not going to be the thing that takes us to that place yeah. of like what you said. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, hopefully like virtual reality will be able to help people that cannot otherwise experience um something yeah like, like the ability to walk right right yeah like people who are who have some disabilities i mean sure i, I think it would be incredible to just give them you know the sense of how it would even look like mm -hmm. uh, i mean there are certain things that i i hope virtual reality is going to help with but i just i hope it's not going to take away um yeah what what we just started to feel grateful for after two years of covid mm -hmm. yeah totally agree i i like your take on it because i also feel that it has to be that it's human centric and that we we absolutely have to remember humans first and then how yeah. does AI or virtual reality or whatever we pick augmented reality you know how does that play into keeping what's supposed to be human stay human yeah mm. 
Um, well, we talked quite a bit about remote work um, with, you know, your first part of the story, but let's go a little bit more into AI. What do you think are, do you use chat GPT? Sure. <laughs> right. Everyone so, does. <laughs> yeah. Well, mo well, maybe not, not everyone. I don't think yet. There's still people that are super afraid of it, but I yeah. feel that um, chat GPT is nothing more than Google on, on, you know, speed, whatever, you know, because way back, you know, people would just tell stories and then they started writing, you know, like in, in cave, well, caves were first writing in caves. And then it was telling stories, maybe at the same time. And then, you know, you fast forward and you get into, oh, there's a printing press. And then you fast forward again and there's, you know, automations and being able to roll out books in masses, right? And then there's TV, well, there's radio and then there's TV and then you know, there's libraries and all of this is taking knowledge in a bigger scale. So it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's doing a Google search, but it's all of the information, good and bad that, and yeah. the chat gathers it together and says, here you go. And so it's not true, you know, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean everything is true. And just yeah. because chat gives you stuff doesn't mean that it's all accurate. So I feel like, uh, yeah, it's a tool. It's nothing to be afraid of, but we do need to make sure we're setting up better understandings of how to use it. And yeah. I always think there's going to be a fact checker. Yeah, right? that's true. Somebody's going to have to verify, oh, where's the sources? You know, how do we know this yeah. is really accurate? So what are your thoughts about AI in whatever way that you want to define that? Sure. So I'm just, yeah, let, let's just go with ChatGPT. Uh, I use it and I think it's a great tool. Uh, I use it mostly like for brainstorming, like, I don't know, when we were trying to find a name for uh, for the podcast, we used it and it didn't help really, but it kind of, you know, started the the, the brain uh, thinking in a bit of a different direction. Um, so what else like when i have you know english is not my first language right you're really so, good thank Just you <laughs> yeah thanks i wouldn't know that but, but still you know like when you're working on a content you, you still want to be perfect right perfect uh but at least like grammatically correct then i would put it into chat gpt and say you know what I probably made some mistakes. Can you do it for me? But you're absolutely right. I think you have to uh, do some fact checks because like when I'm working on something that I'm not really familiar with and I'm asking like, like, can you offer me this piece of information or this or that? Um, if I don't like, I I cannot trust it, right? It, it pulled some information from the internet, whether it's true or maybe it was like, uh, in someone's blog that was just you know a joke whatever so what I would do is I put that into Google and I would say like tell me more right uh, and then I would Google it and, re and do a research so it I think until we know exactly like what the sources are we should do fact checks and we should do a bit more research like chat gpt and any other ai is a great way to kind of yeah get back a bit of that time for like more mundane tasks but um when you're talking about in-depth quality work 
well, do in-depth quality work. You still have to be an editor there. It's just, you know, um, think about it as very early stage, like knowing nothing in turn that would just pull random information in for you, right? Without even thinking, without any background check. Um, and yeah, and you were an editor and a respected source. So, you know, check I it. I ask it Edited. to give me citations. I, mm -hmm. when I write it, I say, okay, I want you to write a five paragraph because I test it in different ways. Write me a five paragraph essay that's um, on the readability scale of a, of a 10th grader, because I taught, you know, seventh and 10th grade and most content that's out there is written on a 10th grade reading level, um, mm -hmm. except for the um, Wall Street Journal, 11th grade. So I, I and then I said, include citations and uh, include this, like I'll put my name in there and say, and um, add, I use the ampersand sign, um, and include this uh, person's, a quote from this person that's related to, you know, these three points. And I, many times I try to break it mm -hmm. because I want to see like how many, how many parameters can I give it before it goes, oh, I don't know. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of fun, not going to lie, but it's also something so I can test the boundaries and see the citations are there. I have to ask for it to give it to me in either MLA or APA. Um, so it sounds more um, academic and it can do that. Mm -hmm. It can write like a five-year-old if you ask it so take something complex and throw that in there and say okay now explain it like you would to a five-year-old very interesting responses yeah 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 no I mean definitely nothing to be afraid of but if you're planning to do some actual work with it yeah um, just be prepared for editing yeah totally agree um let's see do you have any thoughts about how it might be used negatively in the world? Uh, well, I, yeah, sure. I mean, like, like any media, right. It can be used, uh, in very wrong ways, uh, to influence people who are, well, not ready to do the editing, right. And not ready to go and fact check and, you know, but um, it's like with, with anything, it's like with scraping, right? Uh, scraping the web. If you're using it unethically or planning to do so, yeah, it's an unethical tool, right? But uh, if, if you're planning to use it differently, right? It, it, can, be, it can be both. It just... It's still just a machine. It's just still yeah. just a tool. tool. Yeah. So it really depends on you. Yeah. When it came out um, at the end of last year, I, now I'm in ed tech and future of work. And so there was a lot of products that were out there and in the education industry, they, the teachers were talking, well, how are we going to use this? Because we need to make sure that it's really the student writing this. And they will give a topic and students would go and use chat 
and three out of the 20 students had the same response. And it wasn't that they cheated off of each other, that they just copied and pasted the question in and it came back the same. So there's these places where it can be used. um, I don't want to say, well, maybe negatively, because I kind of wonder if, um, if kids in school now will understand the value of research or become too reliant upon chat. And instead, they won't question things. They won't think for themselves. That's where I get concerns is like, does it make it so that we become the masses um, might become more of sheep and just follow things instead of seeing their potential? So those are the things that I always I always wonder about. And I feel like, you know, all of that can be managed and it it's everybody needs to throw out like, well, this could possibly happen. This could be good mm-hmm. and this could be bad. And there's um, some guardrails that are going up around those things, like World Economic Forum is talking about having uh, governance around it. And I think that would be a good thing too, because you always want to know what the boundaries are, right? Yeah. You at 16, leaving to go to boarding school, you know, and it's like, oh my God. And I did not know you were the only child too. <laughs> so there's like all of these things and I went, wow, your parents were going, yeah, we're going to let you leave. <laughs> That's really brave yeah. on their part, right? But obviously they did a good job because, you know, you're you're engaged with them and all of those good things. So anyway, the point being, getting yeah, back to the you. whole chat thing is that um, we we do need to always know what the boundaries are to be respectful and that's and, for sure yeah okay well here we are we're at the end of the show um, what is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners so the best mentoring advice is to get out there uh, like I said uh, I'm a big believer in the power of networking and uh, get out there uh, go network, go listen to people, go talk to people, go figure out how you can be helpful. Uh, and only then uh, ask them if, you know, if they can help you. So there is, you know, offer value first and then ask for something. Um, but yeah, just don't be afraid to to talk to people. It's really fascinating how you can change your life if, um you're going out there curious and uh and brave and just uh yeah just ready to take no for an answer that's that is lovely i just love that part (laughs) yeah be brave it's always important to be brave because honestly people are not that obsessed with each other (laughs) you know we think they are we think that they're going oh my god they saw me do this or oh no what are they going to think it's like they really don't care you know, no, they aren't going to care <laughs> for five years from now, for sure. And they'll probably forget like the next day too. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, who cares? Um, how can our listeners contact you? Website, social channels, anything? Yeah, the best way to find me is probably LinkedIn. So it's Anna Nadena, N-A-D-E-I-N-A. And um, yeah, otherwise, you know, just... Um, find group, and I'm somewhere there. Got it. That sounds wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on the show and your show will be airing this year, just so you know, it's going to be the December 19th 
Um, so you'll be getting a link to your show and some snippets and you can promote it. And we do this little contest where whoever gets the most downloads by the end of the year, um, they can come back on the show again next year and talk about, well, where are they now? You could be in a completely different country. You could honestly be in a completely different job. <laughs> you could be doing anything. I don't know what. You're the epitome of remote year, which is a company I really wanted to work for, honestly. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Nope. Mm -mm. You live a month uh, of um, a different country every month. And they, you know, it's all around the world and you're working remotely. So it's like you could do anything you wanted, honestly. And they, if you work for them, then they pay you and you're traveling. Oh, like, yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. go look at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> so maybe uh, next year. <laughs> yeah. But you could also just do it, <laughs> you know, where you're just yeah. different. You're in Vietnam right now, but you might be, I don't know, in Indonesia in another country. And then you could be in, you know, wherever. Who knows? The polar That's regions true. of the world. I would not, but maybe somebody would. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but thank you so much for for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, my goodness. It is my pleasure. Thank you, Anna. It's really nice Thank being you. able to have this in-depth conversation. Yeah, same here. Thank you, Isabella. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video production team, Gabe Laporte, Tommy Myers, Andrew Pagat, and Jalissa Hurtado. Music is by Charles Lawrence. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. We want to thank you for supporting The Interim Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.